some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You gotta fight for your right to party. Burl head my ass, am I right? <laughs> this is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind, I give you Super Train. Episode 347, Submission 1030. Super Bowl 47. Super Bowl 47 aired on February 3rd, 2013 on CBS. Well, We got Super Bowl 57 coming up at the time we're releasing this episode on Podbean later this week. And for the first time ever, we're going to have a set of brothers playing each other in the Super Bowl. In Jason Kelsey on the Philadelphia Eagles and Travis Kelsey on the Kansas City Chiefs. And whoever wins that Super Bowl will have their second championship. And it's going to be epic. Yeah. Pride of Cleveland. They're from Cleveland Heights, which is just east of uh, Cleveland. Oh, that's why their podcast is called New Heights. Yeah, yeah. They're from Cleveland Heights, yes. Well, the post-game podcast after the Super Bowl is going to be hilarious. Whoever wins and whoever loses, it's going to make for a great episode. But would you believe that 10 years before that Super Bowl, we had two brothers coaching against each other in the Super Bowl? And I think we should mention that just by coincidence, we're doing this episode this week talking about brothers in the Super Bowl, when this year we're going to have two brothers playing in the Super Bowl. This was just pure coincidence. Yes, so, in the 2012 NFL season, we had the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, both teams, the year before, had suffered heartbreaking losses in the conference championship game in the 2011 season. Now, I remember the Baltimore Ravens freaking had that heartbreaker against New England where Freaking Lee Evans dropped that pass in the end zone that would have given them the lead. And then Billy Cundiff came on. All he had to do was hit a chip shot field goal to tie the game. That's all he had to do. And then that jackass missed that kick, and I was pissed. And then I was even more pissed that night because the San Francisco 49ers lost to the New York Giants in the NFC Championship game. So I had to deal with, for the second time in five years, a Giants-New England Super Bowl. And let me just say this. I was not happy with either the result, but I just didn't want New England to win. And they didn't win, so good. And we did get a nice catch by Mario Manningham. But one year later, we had the Ravens and 49ers follow that season winning division titles of their own. San Francisco won 11-4-1 in the NFC West. 
And Baltimore, despite losing four of their last five, finished 10 and six to win the AFC North. So let's go into the 49ers first. Now, if you'll remember, they made a switch in the middle of that season at quarterback. Yeah, they switched from Alex Smith, who admittedly the first half of his career wasn't all that good with the 49ers. And they put in some guy who, well, since this time, since 10 years ago, has gotten more popular for other reasons, Colin Kaepernick. So the 49ers rode to the Super Bowl. They beat the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round 45-31. to 31. And then in the NFC Championship game against the Atlanta Falcons, they were down 24 to 14 at the half, then came back to score a touchdown in the third quarter, and then took the lead in the fourth quarter on a Frank Gore touchdown to win 28 to 24 to advance to the Super Bowl for the first time since 1995. So the road for the Ravens to the Super Bowl. Now, in the wild card round, they beat the Indianapolis Colts 24 to 9. And then in the divisional round against the Denver Broncos in Peyton Manning's first year, the Ravens were down by a touchdown in the final minute of the game when Joe Flacco threw a miraculous pass to Jacoby Jones who went all the way for a touchdown. I think it was like a 70-yard touchdown or something like that. It's something like that, yeah. Yeah, to tie the score. Blackwell stepping up and throwing deep down the far sideline. Caught into the end zone. Touchdown, Jacoby Jones. How does that happen in the Denver secondary? And then the game went all the way to double overtime where a rookie kicker kicked the winning field goal for Baltimore to send them to the AFC championship game. And that kicker was maybe the best kicker of all time. If you think about it, he's got the numbers, Justin Tucker. Yeah, that was like the first of many big kicks for him. And then in the AFC Championship game against New England, where they came back looking for revenge, and, well, they were down 13-7 at the half, but they dominated the second half. They shut out New England to win by a final of 28-13. And I remember, like, in the fourth quarter when the Ravens already had it locked up, I remember Gillette Stadium looking so empty that freaking the Ravens fans took over the stadium and they sang Seven Nation Army. <laughs> I'd never seen in a football game like an opposing team's fan base like completely take over a stadium like that. But okay, Super Bowl 47, we have John Harbaugh, we have Jim Harbaugh, and it's brother against brother in the Super Bowl. And, of course, the announcers for this game, we got Jim Nance and Phil Sims. 
And uh, on the sidelines, we got Steve Tasker and Solomon Wilcox. Oh, by the way, do you want to know a fun fact about this Super Bowl for me? This is story time with Greg, everybody. I actually missed like the first quarter of this game because my aunt and uncle were having like their 50th wedding anniversary on the freaking night of the Super Bowl because they thought, oh, Super Bowl, nobody's going to care about that. Yeah, and I missed the entire first quarter. Thanks, Greg's aunt and uncle. But don't worry, Greg, you didn't miss much. The action came a little bit later. Okay, so at the 1042 Bork, we had our first score of the game coming up right here. And it was this Joe Flacco 13-yard touchdown pass to Anquan Bolden. When you think of, like, in my opinion, some of the most underrated players in the NFL, Anquan Bolden's got to be right up there. He doesn't get love because he was overshadowed by Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona, but you're absolutely right. He is a really good wide receiver. But you know what my most memorable moment of Anquan Bolden is? What's that? It was a Jets-Cardinals game in 2008 where forget, uh, Anquan Bolden's going for a pass and Eric Smith on the Jets lays out the sickest helmet-to-helmet hit on Anquan Bolden. Like, he literally, I swear to God, gave him, like, a concussion. Well, that's not smart. No! Well, here's the thing. Last year at a card show at Hofstra, when I was looking to get autographed Jets eat by 10s from my brother, one of the 8 by 10s that I bought was an Eric Smith autographed picture of him giving one bolt of that helmet-to-helmet hit. I'm like, oh, my brother's going to like this of Eric Smith nearly paralyzing Anquan Bolden. Oh, one thing I just noticed about the Ravens jerseys, they have the Art Modell patch. I forgot Art died that year, I think. Yeah, it was sometime in the 2012 season or during it. Yeah, I mean, he sold the team way before then, uh, probably close to 15, 20 years ago at this point. Yeah, uh, Biscotti, yeah. Biscotti, yeah, Biscotti bought it. But yeah, I can't believe it's been well over a decade since Art Modell passed. Not that he's beloved here. Oh, for obvious reasons and understandably. Yeah. Okay, so around the uh, four-minute mark remaining in the first quarter, we have the Niners getting on the board on a field goal by David Akers. Now, I always like forget about this because I always remember David Akers on the Eagles. Trying to remember how long David Akers was with the Niners for. He was on the Niners from 2011 and 2012, and he played one more year after this with Detroit in 2013. Makes sense. I'm thinking that Phil Dawson went to the 49ers around uh, 2013, 2014-ish. Because he was the Browns kicker forever since they returned in 1999. And one thing I should mention, because I'm skimming through the game through the NFL YouTube channel, and one of the players on the Ravens, a New Orleans native playing this game, and I think if he's not in the Hall of Fame, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Ed Reed. He's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, he definitely is in the Hall of Fame and is so deserving. 
Well, as we're recording this, Edry was going to be the coach of Bethune Cookman, but he, like, I guess, like, had second thoughts and he, like, didn't get, he decided he wasn't going to take the job, something like that. Well, it wasn't really uh, anything with the contract that, you know, he, he, like, reneged on it or anything like that. Uh, Bethune Cookman decided not to take on the contract uh, because Reed uh, made some comments about the condition of the school's athletic facilities. Yeah, you shouldn't bite the hand that feeds you. And Ed Reed said uh, regarding the contract not being ratified, I'm not withdrawing my name as they say. They don't want me here. They don't want me because I tell the truth. Mm. Boy, talk about like burning bridges or or yeah. napalming them in this case. That is that's harsh. Yeah. Well, we're done with the first quarter. It's seven to three Baltimore. And hey, second quarter, we get a good shot of Jack and Jackie Hawpaw. John and Jim's parents up in the I guess the stands here at the Superdome. Oh, also, one other thing since we talked about Bethune Cookman. Greg, you're going to love this. What is it? You know who their athletic director and head coach of the basketball team is? Who is that? We talked about him a month ago. Reggie Theus. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I think think we may have even mentioned it during the Just Men episode that he was the head coach at Bethune-Cookman. But, yes, this is like, what, the third or fourth time we've mentioned Reggie Theus in just the last month, and we had never mentioned him before. No, but no. we also got to mention he was traded to the Atlanta Hawks with the pick that ended up becoming Ellie Gante. Absolutely correct. Could you imagine Ellie Gante playing football? He'd be one heck of a lineman. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who needs Ezekiel Elliott playing center? Put El Gigante right there. You're not running through him. Oh, no. And you're probably not running around him either. Oh, my gosh. And you know how Pepsi has the rookie of the week belt? Every week he'd have, like, a good performance. He'd say, I want the belt. I want your belt. I want your belt, Garrett Wilson. <laughs> But uh, John and Jackie Harbaugh, they look like they're having a good time at the stands in uh, the Superdome. Well, of course they're having a good time. They know one of their sons is going to win a Super Bowl. Oh, yes. They can't lose. It's almost like the Kelseys right now. Their mom and dad, they love both their sons. They win either way. One of them's getting a second ring. All right, so we're 12.06 remaining in the second quarter. Now, the 49ers, they're at the uh, 24, and it's a first and 10 here for Kaepernick. So this is where the game turns right here. On first down, it's James trying to go wide. He got away. Ball is out, and it's fallen on by Jones. Right over by that Baltimore venture, they're going to say they already whistled him down. The ruling on the field 
is a fumble recovered by Baltimore for first down Baltimore. Okay, so the Ravens get a big fumble recovery right there. And curious enough, who makes the tackle for the fumble? Courtney Upshaw, number 91, who I believe this would have been his rookie season. Because he would have come from Alabama, right? Yeah, I think that was his rookie year. Well, also in their rookie year was the person running the ball, LaMichael James, who, if you remember back in like 2011, was like one of the top college running backs. Oh, but yeah. Then he, yeah, remember he like took out his ACL or something like that. Yeah, and he and never he like, recovered. He, was, he never recovered. And he was still like drafted in the second round by the 49ers pretty high. Didn't have much of a career, but he was a name like 12, 13 years ago. Oh, in college football? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, so we're at seven. 15 around that mark here in the second quarter remaining. And Joe Flacco, he'll go to Dennis Pitta for the easy touchdown. And that puts the Ravens up 14 to three after the extra point is kicked. So the Ravens, they take advantage of that fumble and they have a 14 to three lead. But okay, here we go. It's the uh, next drive here for the 49ers. First and 10, 706 left. On first down, Kaepernick going to drop back, going to throw it, middle of the field, and he's intercepted by Reed. Reed had just tied the postseason record for most interceptions as the New Orleans native has the pick and a flag is out. Oh, and there's a scrum right here. Okay, so Ed Reed gets the um, interception in the Super Bowl in his hometown and a stat that CBS puts right here. On that interception by Kaepernick. The first Super Bowl interception in the history of the San Francisco 49ers. On 170 pass attempts. And this was their sixth Super Bowl. Yes. And I think that just says how good Joe Montana was back in the day. And Steve Young. You've got to give him credit too. Steve Young too, yes. So, okay, we got a four for nine here. And the Ravens are going to kick a field goal here with Tucker. But okay, this is where it gets absolutely crazy. Because I was watching this game like before we started this. I had forgotten this happened. Because I think I came home right around the um, either the starter near the end of the first quarter. The start of the second quarter around that time from my uh, aunt and uncle's wedding anniversary. So here it is. This crazy play coming up. The right rookie to kick in the Super Bowl since Ryan Longwell. Green Bay back in Super Bowl 32, and it's a 32-yard field goal attempt. Oh, it's a fake, and it's Tucker taking off. Tucker's running it. Short of the first. So the Niners get a big stop right there, and I got to give Justin Tucker a lot of credit. He almost nearly got that first down. That was a very ballsy move. That was a very ballsy move by John Dick. Fake it right there. But I think it's uh let's see who got the tackle right there. It wasn't Willis, I don't think. It was uh I think it's twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. So that was Dorcel McBath who made the tackle on that play on Justin Tucker. Okay, back from commercial break. Hey look, it's Roger Goodell with a kid in the stands. That's nice. He still sucks. 
Well, duh. Oh, hold on a second. Let us not forget. Remember in the double doink game between the Eagles and the Bears? Do you remember who Roger Goodell was sitting next to in the Soldier Field skybox? I do not. He was sitting next to Alex from the Shriners commercials. Oh, jeez. So you know what we learned? Roger Goodell is a big closet fan of Buzzer. Never thought you'd hear that on this podcast. Roger Goodell, a low-key fan of Buzzer. That's a hot take if I ever heard one. Roger Goodell is a fan of Buzzer. Okay, but the Niners, they couldn't capitalize. They got a three and out right there. So we hit the two-minute warning. And okay, 158 coming back from the two-minute warning. Well, Joe Flacco and Jacoby Jones made magic in that mile-high miracle. Well, they're going to make some magic here. Third and ten. Heaves it down the field. Alpine is Jones. Catches it on his back. He can get up. Jones makes the shift. Jones to the end zone. And he's in for the score. What a play by Jacoby Jones. I got to give Jacoby Jones a lot of credit here on this play. So he makes the catch. Falls not touched. He then makes this little fake. And then he goes the other way to the end zone for the touchdown. I mean, that's incredible heads up there by Jacoby Jones. So the Ravens, they take a 21-3 lead. And then the Niners, right before the end of the half, they get a uh, field goal. And it's 21-6 going into the half. And then, of course, we got the halftime show. Because... As we all know, everybody looks forward to the halftime show. And who would they get for the halftime show this year, Mike? Please say up with people. No. Oh. They got Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? If you can't get up with people, Beyonce, that's fine. And you know what? I bet New Orleans was crazy in love for that performance. Get it? Because she sung crazy in love. It's 21-6. And we're coming back to the game right here. And, well, now, Mike, Jacoby Jones, he's in the end zone. He's going to be returning this kick. Now, you'd think, after what the 49ers just saw, that, you know what, let's not even kick the ball to Jacoby Jones. We know what he can do. You'd think they wouldn't kick to him, right? Well, Jacoby Jones was always a good return person. So, yeah, I mean, that's not really a great strategy because he can bust it open. He's no Devin Hester, but he still is a pretty darn good return man. Well, I guarantee you the 49ers are not going to kick to him after what happened near the end of that. I guarantee you they're not going to kick to him. Okay, so let's see how this turns out. And later on, it was Lombardi bringing him out to the Raiders. Harbaugh, that is. And this could be a run back from nine deep for Jacoby Jones. And look at him go. Jones what? Pass the 50. And he is flying. 
inside the 20, and a kickoff return, 109 yards and a touchdown, an all-time record. Well, it would later be corrected as a 108-yard return. But holy crap, we're watching the replay of this. Like, one guy touches Jacoby Jones, and then it's just like he's off to the races after that. Like, nobody was going to catch him. Did I not say he was a pretty darn good return man? Well, but I got to say, if I had to rank, like, the three most impressive kickoff returns I've ever seen, this would be number three. Number one is obviously Devin Hester in Super Bowl 41. But number two, now this is going to be weird, but okay. Do you remember a game between the Chargers and the Vikings in like 2008 or 2009 when Antonio Cromartie returned like a missed field goal from the other end of the end zone? I do remember that, yes. And it was like his foot, like, Barely didn't touch the white line, and he ran it all the way back for 109 yards. That yeah, was nuts. That was crazy. I remember that. And I think that actually, hey, you know, more, well, this isn't cards uh, out of context or cards without context, but I think it was that play that made me want to try and find like an Antonio Cromartie signed rookie card. And I still have it. It's in my collection somewhere, but I do remember that. And I remember not long after that, finding it in like a $5 bin at the local card shop and then uh, just adding it to my collection. And of course, we know the other thing Antonio Cromartie is known for. Well, <laughs> we've talked about it many times on this podcast. He could field the team who could go against a team of Philip Rivers' kids. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you, Philip Rivers' kids and Antonio Cromartie's kids are going to form like a giant super team. That would be kind of weird with the jersey names. Everybody would have probably the first initial and then Cromartie or or Rivers on the back. Eh. You couldn't have 14 people wearing Rivers and 14 people wearing Cromartie. Got to put some initials in there. Okay, so we're at second and seven with the Niners' first drive in the third quarter. And Colin Kaepernick, he gets sacked. Like, he just... It looks like he, like... Someone grabbed onto his leg and Colin Kaepernick just tripped. Yeah, it looks like it's 55. I think that's Terrell Suggs. Yeah, it is Suggs. Yeah. That was Suggs who, I guess, reached for the leg and then he, like, tripped or whatever. But okay. What happens next? Here we go. Good no throw goal by Colin Kaepernick. He is going to throw this down the middle to Vernon Davis. Watch. But look at the safety is anticipating. Wait, what's going on? What? Hold on a second. What happened to Phil? Wait. I didn't know what he's talking. Wait, why is the stadium crappily led? Wait, what? Oh, no. Donna Mills, what did you do? Not again. But yeah, for some reason, I guess. Half the Superdome is without power. We're looking at the Superdome with like no lights on the half side of the stadium. 
and it looks like a crappily lit like video game render. Am I not wrong in thinking this? No, you're not wrong. I mean, what it looks like is like the auxiliary lights or the emergency lights are on. There's no power on that side of the stadium. Yeah. Meanwhile, the other half of the stadium is completely lit. So it was like, I remember at this part thinking, well, this is weird. And then they went to commercial. So I was confused for like a good like four or five minutes. And then, well, you know who's here to help us through this time? Steve Tasker. Welcome back to New Orleans. This is Steve Tasker, sideline reporter for the uh, Super Bowl 47. If you're expecting to hear our friend Jim Nance, it may be a moment before he gets on. Half the power in New Orleans Stadium, the Superdome here, is out. In almost a perfect semicircle of the lights, half the stadium stayed light. Half of it went out. The scoreboard is also not working as well. And here's what happened. Okay, Moments we see ago, everyone on the field. As we watch the and then game start to proceed pretty much as normal. One big click of the light switch, and we lost power in the half of the stadium. Now, it's okay, so let's uh, let's go back to the replay right here. And there, you know, see right there, like the big scoreboard here that has the video monitor that goes out when the power goes out, along with one of the um, the stat screens on the right side of the stadium, while the left side of the stadium. Like all the LEDs and that scoreboard right there uh, is completely fine. And if you're watching this, we're watching this through the NFL YouTube channel's replay of the game. So the reference point to pause it is like the one hour, 15 minute, 17 second mark. So this is the reference point here. But yeah, half the side on the left is completely lit and the right side completely dark. So then I remember, so obviously you had the halftime show. So you had the NFL Today guys, which would have been, at this time, James Brown, Bill Cowher, Boomer Esiason, and uh, Shannon Sharp. They had to do another recap show. So they basically had to do the same recap show they did, plus the Jacoby Jones (laughs) touchdown. And they had to, like, do this all over again while also trying to provide updates during the blackout as to when the game had to resume. So like, so this went on for like a good, like 34 minutes. And I do remember at one point now of this, uh, of the second recap show from the NFL today crew. Now I remember this very well, and this is going to be funny for later, but Bill Cower actually suggested that for the 49ers to get back into the game, he suggested Jim Harbaugh bench Colin Kaepernick for Alex Smith. And I'm thinking, like, back then, like, why would you want to do that? I know you're down 22, but, I mean, Alex Smith is... No. 
He was benched for a reason. Yeah, like I said, he just wasn't that good. Yeah. And, I mean, it wasn't like it was like a Brock Purdy situation where, like, Colin Kaepernick got injured during the game and they had to keep him playing because they had nobody else. I mean, it wasn't like Alex Smith was Josh Johnson. I mean, Alex Smith, even back in 2011, was far better than Josh Johnson that NFC title game as the Eagles. But still, it's like, no, Colin Kaepernick got you to the Super Bowl. You might as well give I mean, if it's still that way in the fourth quarter, then you probably play Alex Smith for mop-up duty. But then it's like, if you still got a chance, why would you do that? Doesn't make any sense. After all that, 34 minutes later, referee Jerome Boger, after all the lights came back on, said to us these words. Resume, resume action. Third down and 13. Let's go. Yeah, let's go, baby. 34 minutes of waiting. Let's get back to this game. And after all that, third and 13, what happens? You think the 49ers, okay, third and 13. Colin Kaepernick is going to do something here. No, he just threw like a six, seven-yard pass. And it was fourth down. Really? Okay, so you're thinking, okay, power outage. Okay, the Ravens, they're up 22. They got plenty of time. They're going to probably just continue to route the 49ers. Well, they don't capitalize on that drive. And they have to punt it for the second time. Okay, so it's first and 10. The Niners are at the 31. And Colin Kaepernick throws this pass to Michael Crabtree. From the 31. And Kaepernick again. Zips it in there. Crabtree still on his feet and in for the touchdown. Yeah, so Crabtree went through like two Ravens defenders. And... Oh, hold on a second. I know who one of them is, number 31. And I think this is the first time we're ever going to mention him on the podcast. Bernard Pollard. Now, Mike, do you want to mention what Bernard Pollard is most memorable for? This would have been 2008, I believe. He took out Tom Brady. I believe it was the first game of the year, right? First, yes. first or second game of the year? First game he of the year against out, the Chiefs. Took, yeah, against the Chiefs. Took out Tom Brady, injured him for the season, and you had Matt Castle replace Tom Brady for that season. Oh, it was a glorious year. No Tom Brady! What a greatest year ever! Maybe if we're lucky, we'll have the same in 2023. Oh, Fingers let's crossed. hope. Let's hope. Let's hope Josh McDaniels doesn't convince him to come out of retirement. Let's hope. Or Stephen Ross. But I should note, Bernard Pollard injured Wes Welker at the end of the 2009 season before the playoffs. And then he injured Gronkowski uh, in the playoffs in 2011. I gotta say, Bernard Pollard, it seemed like he had a cheat code. Like, every time he touched the New England Patriots player, They'd get an ACL injury and be out for the season. Well, also, wait, you're forgetting another one that happened in the 2012 AFC Championship game. Okay, this is the one I forgot. Okay, what is it? 
he had a helmet to helmet hit on running back Stephen Ridley, which gave Ridley a concussion. Oh, that's great. So in the span of about four years, he took out Tom Brady and Wes Welker and Rob Gronkowski and Stephen Ridley. But yeah, Bernard Pollard was essentially a Patriot killer, if you will. Yeah. Or at least maybe not a killer, but a, a harmer of the Patriots. The Patriots' big players. Yes. So Baltimore, they got another three and out. And then the 49ers, they get a big kick returning. Hey, Mike, who is that returning the punt for San Francisco? Number 19. Oh, that's Ted Ginn Jr. That's right. And we talked about Ted Ginn Jr. back in episode 92 in the worst Monday night football game ever between the Dolphins and the Steelers. Which involved, of course, the classic moment with Cam Cameron talking about how they drafted the entire Ginn family. And well, Cam, God bless you, you tried. But no, no, you weren't going to make Miami fans happy that entire year. Oh, hold on a second. One thing I forgot about Cam Cameron. You know he was the Ravens offensive coordinator to start the season, right? Right, yeah. And then he got fired near the end of the season. And do you know who John Harbaugh replaced him with? I know, but I'd like you to say it. Okay, I'm going to say it right now. Jim Caldwell. And no, I'm not talking about the tic-tac-toe Jim Caldwell. I'm talking about the former Indianapolis Colts and Detroit Lions head coach, Jim Caldwell. Yeah, this coach, Jim Caldwell... He knows when the categories have been shuffled. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, my gosh. But no, I wanted to add about Ted Ginn Jr. Just this past year, I think this is his first year in retirement. And in retirement, he was an assistant coach on his alma mater's football team, still coached by his father. They ended up winning a state title this year in Ohio. Oh, that's terrific. Congratulations, Ted Ginn Sr. and Ted Ginn Jr. Very well deserved. Yes. Okay, so Ted, he set the 49ers up perfectly at about the 20. And so we get this pass here to Vernon Davis for a first down. Oh, I forget how good Vernon Davis was for the Niners around this period. He was probably like one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And seriously, he could have been probably even better. Yeah. He was probably like a top five, top six, top seven tight end, but he legitimately with his skills and size, he could have been like one of the top two or three. Okay, so Kaepernick, he hands it off to Frank Gore for the touchdown, and now the Ravens are seeing their once magnificent lead go down to eight points. So the Ravens, they get the ball back again. It's second and seven here for Flacco. And let's see what happens here with 421 left in the third. Second and seven. There's a play to the Rice. Ball's out. Ball is out and falling on by Brown. Rice, who had one fumble all regular season, now has his third in the postseason. I'd make an obvious joke here with Ray Rice, but I'm not. 
and Mike has been muted himself. He knows he is dying laughing. I'm not muted. Oh, no, I'm holding back my laughter because I know the jokes that you would say. Yes, but I'm not going to because they'd be horrible. No, and I don't want to be canceled. Right. We have morals. Yes. I should know. Okay. Before we started this episode, Mike, do you want to share with us the ad from the Super Bowl that I showed you before we started recording? So there was an ad for Tide Laundry Detergent, and um, it had to do with a jersey, a, a, a fan jersey of, I think it was uh, Joe Montana, but it was definitely a 49ers player. And this person uh, spilled some ketchup on this jersey, and it happened to spill in a pattern that looked like Joe Montana's profile, Joe Montana's face. And <laughs> I'm sorry, it's going to take me a second to get through this. This guy got really popular and he turned his home into Montana land and people would visit it sort of like if, uh, you know, people say they saw Elvis and a restaurant or someplace and the restaurant becomes popular for a while. This stain was like a 49ers haven, the stain that looks like Joe Montana. Then one day the guy looks for the jersey, which was framed on a wall and the jersey's gone. Where did it go? His wife decided to wash the jersey and get rid of the stain. But, and I think this is the point Greg's trying to make, the wife in this commercial, she's wearing a jersey. Now remember, I said this is a 49ers jersey and this is 49ers versus Ravens. The wife is wearing a Ravens jersey. More specifically, she's wearing Ray Rice's jersey. 27. They couldn't have, in retrospect, she could have worn a Ray Lewis jersey. She couldn't have worn, like, a Todd Heap jersey. She couldn't have worn, like, a Kyle Bowler jersey that was in her closet for the last decade. Yeah, in retrospect, uh, this aged horribly. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention, this is Ray Lewis's final game. I didn't think we mentioned that beforehand. But yeah, this is Ray Woos' final season, and this is his final game, Super Bowl 47. Boy, I hope it goes out with a bang. <laughs> Hold on, you know what I just thought of? Yeah. Do you remember that SNL TV Funhouse skit with Ray Lewis in the Disney commercial? I don't remember that, I'm sorry. Oh, you don't remember it? It was hilarious. He was in a Disney animated movie where he's in these horrible events like the shooting of Bambi's buffer oh, and the no. death of Mustafa and the Lion King. He's like, I didn't see nothing. It's an all-star cast of Disney favorites and the Super Bowl MVP in Ray of Light. You hang with have been bad. Don't say nothing to make them mad. You can smile, it ain't no crime. You got the number one defense of all time. With classic Disney adventure. <laughs> oh, snap. I didn't see nothing. 
is on the scene with all your Disney favorites. I didn't kill no motherfucking lion. I don't know who did it. We need to forget about that Simba Focus on the Pittsburgh game. Okay, I saw the wildebeest do something, man. With Raven's teammate, Shannon Sharp. Yo, leave the man alone. This is the best player in football. He didn't take your puppet. And songs by Elton John. And stealing on your friend is the hardest part of life. So try to focus on football. Take Ray Lewis home on video and Disney DVD. I didn't see nothing. <laughs> Disney's way of life. Rated R. I didn't kill no motherfucking liar. Not authorized by Ray Lewis. Puff Daddy's Fantasia coming next Christmas. Nobody killed no one. He went out with a bang. He did. Because he supposedly killed two people. Supposedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Look, sure the man... He might have murdered somebody. But this is like the greatest defensive lineman in the history of the NFL. This is Ray Lewis we're talking about. Ray Lewis! Just like O.J. Simpson. But enough about that. Okay, third and seven here at the uh, 21. Kaepernick, he throws this pass right. I think it's tipped here by uh, 29. Let's look at the replay right here real quick. Because this was intended for Ginn. Yeah, got a hand on it. And probably might have saved a touchdown right there from Ginn. So David Akers, he's got to kick a field goal from 39. And nope, no good. But there's a flag. So it's a five-yard penalty running into the kicker, but it's fourth and seven. So they had to redo the kick again, this time for 34. And then Akers, this time, makes the kick. And with 3.10 to go in the third, it's now 28-23. to 23. And that 29 that you mentioned on the Ravens was cornerback Kerry Williams. Okay. So we have the stat at the 1 hour, 44 minute, 29 second mark in the video on the NFL YouTube channel, if you pause it right here. So here's the stats they show from CVS since the power outage. 49ers, 17 points. Ravens, no points. 49ers total yards, 109. Ravens, 20. 49ers total plays, 13. Ravens, 10. Turnovers, Ravens, 1. 49ers, 0. First downs, 49ers, 6. Ravens, 1. So since the power outage, it's like, I don't know what Jim Harbaugh did, but he got the 49ers like back in focus and... They basically now have like control of the game right here. So okay, we're done with the third quarter. It's twenty-eight to twenty-three. So the Ravens, Flacco's got them driving right here. They got a first and goal, but they get about three plays, and Flacco can't capitalize. They can't get a touchdown. So Tucker sent in to get the field goal here. And he makes the field goal to put the Ravens back up eight at 31 to 23. And then the Niners, Kaepernick has them at the 16 with about 
10 minutes left in the fourth quarter and it's second and seven right here. Second and seven. As Kaepernick pulls that shot and take it off. Inside the 10, Kaepernick's in for the touchdown. Wow, did he get there in a hurry. And really, if you want one play that describes Colin Kaepernick, like his run in San Francisco, that's exactly the type of run right there. Just went in straight untouched for 15 yards. And the Niners, they're now within two. So they go for two, but nope. They fail to convert on the two-point conversion, the Niners. So with 9.57 to play, it's now a two-point game. Oh, this is sponsored in part by Fast and Furious 6. Oh, Fast that's and Furious. That's only, that's, only, that's only four movies ago. Where no, three Fast movies Furious... ago because we're going to have Fast and Furious 10 coming up soon. That's what I was saying. It was four movies ago because Fast and Furious 10 is coming soon. Well, you know what, Mike? I got to share a story. I went to see the last Fast and the Furious movie about two years ago. You're not going to believe this, Mike. My movie-going experience was terrible. You want to know why? Why is that? Because there was like a blank spot for most of the movie. And they were talking to supposedly this one character. But I didn't see who this character was. All I kept seeing was like a blank spot for most of the movie. Oh, and here I thought you were going to complain that the plot to Fast 9 or whatever it was called is the same as the previous eight movies. Well, here's the best part about Fast and the Furious 9. <laughs> like, I think, like, Tyrese makes in jokes about how is it that all this crazy stuff happens and we keep living through all this. And I died laughing every time he brought it up, like, Yes! Finally, someone's acknowledging this! You're talking to a person who has never seen a single Fast and Furious movie. Well, I think we've uh, talked about that. I'm not a movie fan. Or at least a contemporary movie fan, let's say that. Okay, let's go back here to the game. So, alright, four minutes and 23 seconds remaining. The Ravens have to kick a field goal. Justin Tucker, he hits that right through the uprights. So basically, the Ravens' offense since the power outage has been Justin Tucker. Okay, so the Niners, they get the ball back. So Kaepernick, he's driving. He's got the 49ers in the red zone, and you're thinking maybe the Ravens are going to pull off an epic choke job, and Colin Kaepernick is going to give the 49ers their sixth Super Bowl championship. So there's a two-minute warning. It's second and goal for the Niners. But Kaepernick, he throws an incomplete pass on second down. Then on third down, Kaepernick, he goes for Michael Crabtree. But Crabtree, he has the ball, but it's knocked out. And so it's an incompletion setting up fourth down. So, okay, 150 remaining. This is the big play right here. And you see, like, 
Jim Harbaugh, he's like complaining. He's like doing the holding signal, complaining that Michael Crabtree was held on that play. You don't really get like a good look from this angle right here at around the 220 mark. Maybe he was held. I don't know. But then they cut to Jim Harbaugh right here. And he's like, geez. I don't know. I mean, maybe to me, if I'm looking closely right here, it's like, it looks like Crabtree's holding like number 22 right there. Yeah, it does look like it's uh, holding uh, on the on Crabtree. So I guess a good no call right there. So the Ravens, they're deep in their own end zone right here. Because remember, I think the uh, 49ers, they had about one timeout left. So it wasn't like they could kneel down the Ravens right here. So the Niners used their last timeout, and the Ravens ran it twice. And then they got the clock all the way down to like 11 seconds. And then they called timeout. But before they called the timeout, I think Jim Nance raises this question here to Phil Sims. Any reason to take a safety here? I'm thinking. No, I would not. I would punt it. And now the timeout by Baltimore. Well, let's think about it. You bring up a great point. You take a safety 34-31. You punt the football. Free kick from the 20. No, I would not do it. Okay, now remember, Ted Ginn is the punt returner for the 49ers. We know what he can do. But the question that Jim Nance is raising is, should the Ravens take an intentional safety? Now, for those of you who are not well-versed in football, like the intentional safety is basically because it's a five-point game. Like Essentially, what would happen would be the punter would have the ball instead of kicking it. He'd like run around the end zone a bit to like kill as much clock as possible. So that way, either the Niners don't get the ball or the clock runs out and the game is over. Of course, boring that the punter doesn't like screw up and like accidentally fumble the ball or anything. Because then, ugh. All right, going back here. 12 seconds, so here we go. Yeah, so the punter, he's just running around. And just gets pushed in the end zone for safety. Nobody going after the punter. So, okay, now it's 34-31. So, the Ravens are going to punt it here. They're going to drop kick it. But there's one scenario that Nance raises before the Ravens make this punt. Now, there is this obscure rule, and I did not know about this until this game. But if you, like, call for a fair catch, like you can have the option to like have the field goal kicker have like an unrushed kick with nobody defending it. The fair catch free kick rule, which to my knowledge, I think has only been done like four or five times in the history of the NFL. And like nobody's ever successfully done it. 
from what I understand, it's like a high school rule also, but like it's not used in the NCAA whatsoever. All right. So with that in mind, 34-31, four seconds left, and the Ravens are going to punt it here. And he booms this one. That takes the fair catch free kick out of play. And it's Gen. Gen to the 40. Still on his feet at the 50. And the Ravens have won it 34-31. And after all that, the Ravens hung on to win their second Super Bowl in franchise history. And John prevailed over Jim in the Hallball Ball. And Joe Flacco was named the Super Bowl MVP, going 22 for 33 for 287 yards, three touchdowns, and a passer rating of 124.2. And of course, as we know, years later, from PFT Commenter, this game proved that Joe Flacco was elite. And if you saw him earlier this year, he was still elite against the Browns. Yeah. Well, what was that win probability? 99.9%. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about it either, because that game's basically the reason why Robert Sala still has a freaking job. So good, it didn't work for either of us in the end. Freaking five and two start and should have been like three and four after the freaking they should have lost that Cleveland game and they should have lost the Denver game. So in reality, they should have been five and eleven. And by the way, for you new listeners, I really don't like Robert Sala. Tell us how much you like Nathaniel Hackett. It's gonna be really hilarious if Derek Corr ends up on the Jets and not Aaron Rodgers. Because that's basically the only reason they hired Nathaniel Hackett. Not because he was qualified, but because we might get Aaron Rodgers. Maybe. Who knows? So let's hire this guy who worked with Aaron Rodgers for no reason. Well, I will say, if it does lead to Jim Harbaugh in 2024, then maybe it was all worth it. Maybe. Maybe. Knowing both the Johnson brothers, he'll probably hire, I don't know, who's the shittiest head coach right now? Well, can we count Cliff Kingsbury or not because he's fired? He's fired. Oh, well, who's the worst? I don't know. There's so many names you could pick. Can we say Jeff Saturday? Yes, we can say Jeff Saturday. There you go. Well, as of time of recording, he's still the Colts head coach. Maybe he'll be permanent. I don't know. I don't know what Jim Irsay's doing in Indianapolis. I don't think Jim Irsay knows what he's doing. No. But man, this Super Bowl, it was such a crazy game. You had a power outage. You had... Joe Flacco, you had Colin Kaepernick, you had the Harbaugh brothers. What a magical moment it was. And in 2013, Super Bowl 47 was definitely a thing on TV. But Mike, 
Yeah. Do you want to bid on something related to this Super Bowl? Do I? All right. Let's play eBay Prices Right. So, okay, this is a trading card, Mike, from Topps Triple Threads Football 2013 of Tory Smith. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, it is numbered 19 out of 27. So you are going to be bidding on the eBay Buy It Now price. So we're going to play this game range game style. I'm going to spit out dollar increments from... Like one, two, three, and then you're going to stop it. So the range is going to be somewhere along the range of $2. Okay. So you got to $2. Okay. $2. So you got to be within the range of $2. Okay. All right. The imaginary one's going to go from zero to about 15. Okay. So this is under $15. This is under $15. You've already helped me a ton because I was going to say 20. So that's good. Okay. All right. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Stop. Okay. So it's between ten and twelve dollars. Like that's your yes. that's your your that, that's the yeah, between ten and twelve. Yeah. Okay. Well, the price eight dollars and forty cents. That's not a bad price for that card. No. Look at that beautiful patch where it says CH. Look at that. It's yeah white with the gold uh, uh, stitching on it, and then you have black there. That is beautiful. Yes. And I'll read the back here. Tory made some key grabs in Baltimore's romp to Super Bowl glory in 2012-13, particularly in a divisional playoff game at Denver. Smith caught 59 and 32-yard touchdown passes for a 38-35 victory. I love Top's card. It's a nice card. I miss Top's triple threads football. Oh, Well, at least we still got baseball. Well, that may change in the next couple of years. Yes. Because Fanatics, as you know, they own tops. And the license for NFL cards and NBA cards is going to be up, I think, in 2025. And at that point, I wouldn't be surprised if Fanatics slash tops made a power play to regain the exclusive rights to that, especially since, in my opinion, Panini, who currently holds the NFL and NBA rights on trading cards, they do such a horrible job. Horrible. And it's kind of funny. One of the examples of such a horrible job that they did had to do with a player that played in this game we just saw. Oh? Bernard Pierce. He was a rookie running back for uh, the Ravens. And... In 2012, I pulled out a redemption card 
for an autograph of his. Now, he never turned out to be anything big, but Panini slash Donruss, that's, I think they're still Donruss, they never fulfilled that redemption card for whatever reason. He never signed the cards or whatnot. And like this past November, I got something in place of that card. And it was like a nobody running back for like the Buffalo Bills like 12, 13 years ago. But it took like 10 years to just redeem that stupid card and get an even worse replacement. Awful. Well, you know, I could crap all over Panini, but sometimes they do great redemptions. Uh, like uh, I, I had one for an Evan Ingram autograph, a rookie card back in 2017 that never got redeemed. They replaced that just, I think, in December. And I actually ended up getting a Hall of Famers autograph out of that. I got a John Lynch. Oh! John Lynch out of 25. Really beautiful card. So you know what? Sometimes it doesn't work out that well, but sometimes... They upgrade you. I know Evan Engram, he did really well for the Jaguars this year. But you know what? He's not going to be a Hall of Famer, and John Lynch is, so I'll take it. And to tie back in, John Lynch now the 49ers GM. Yes, he is. It just all ties in beautifully. Oh, yeah, and it all ties in beautifully. Because you remember John Lynch did color commentary on Fox. And do you know who his partner was on play-by-play at Fox? Oh, my gosh. I did not watch Fox all that often. The man who will be calling the Super Bowl this year, Kevin Burkhardt. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, all ties back into this year's Super Bowl. Well, sadly, the 49ers, they won't be playing in this year's Super Bowl. Well, nor will the Ravens. Nor will the Ravens. Yeah. But in 2013, it was a memorable Super Bowl. But you know what? I figure, how about we have a haiku to honor? Let's do a haiku, yes. Yes. We haven't done a It Was a Thing on TV haiku corner in a long time. So let's play the music. Oh, man. It's been a while. So here we go. Here's the haiku for Super Bowl 47. Super Bowl Blackout. Who was able to bring joy? Mr. Steve Tasker. <laughs> you know, Steve Tasker was like, this is my moment. A hundred million people are going to hear me talk about the blackout. Did you write that or did Chat GPT do that? No, I wrote that. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> Well, hold on a second. Do you want to read something from ChatGPT that you made for this game? I will, but I I need to preface this with ChatGPT doesn't really follow the rules of what you ask. Because I asked it to write a limerick about Super Bowl 47. And limericks, in case you don't know, are five lines. And the rhyming scheme, I believe, is like, the first, the second, and the fifth lines rhyme, and then the third and fourth lines rhyme in a different way, well, you'll find out why this limerick is not really a limerick. I could use some music. 
Okay, that's cool. Maybe a little racist, but cool. At Super Bowl 47, with much gusto and flair, the Ravens and Niners took to the air. The battle was fierce. Both teams had great cheer. But in the end, it was Baltimore's year. With their quarterback Flacco so bold, the Vince Lombardi Trophy, they did hold. Oh, that's beautiful. Not bad from an AI. Not no. good either, but not bad. No, it's adequate. And we have many more adequate episodes over on our website. It was a thing on TV.com where you can listen to the 346 episodes that preceded this. We got all sorts of great stuff. We got live shows. We got mini sods. We got all sorts of bonuses. And, and Mike, we released the director's cut of the 1985 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade this past weekend on our Podbean feed. And you know what we talked about in that director's cut? And I know it's been a long while since we recorded that. Now, Mike, do you want to describe what you're seeing? No, I really don't. Honestly, I don't. Well, I'm going to describe it. In case you didn't listen to it, it's a poster a former New York Jets quarterback, Ken O'Brien, in jeans and a leather jacket. And it says, Ken O'Brien, born to gun. And it's the most homoerotic poster unintentionally I've ever seen in my life. Never thought we'd talk about the homoeroticism of Ken O'Brien on this podcast, did you? <laughs> oh, my God. His ass sort of did stick out there. I'm sorry. It was very noticeable. Not that I was paying attention to that. And you can also go to our socials where we're at. It was a thing on TV, except for Facebook. We're unfortunately at Mark Zuckerberg's office. There was an unfortunate power outage. So unfortunately, it was a thing on TV was gone. So we had to take it was a thing on TV podcast. Once the power outage was cleared up. And of course, you can always listen to this podcast wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. And also visit our YouTube where you can like, subscribe, and ring the bell to stay up to date on all future entries, including our next episode. We got Valentine's Day coming up. So we got two Valentine's Day episodes coming up. But the first one, Mike, we're going to be learning the art of meeting men. And we're going to learn how you're going to pick up men. Now, this isn't for us. This is for the ladies. This is for you ladies. You're going to learn how to meet men. We're wondering how do ladies meet men and pick up men? Have you ever wondered that, Mike? How ladies meet men and pick up men? <laughs> you're muted! You're muted! <laughs> You're muted. I, I, I'm not muted. I, I just can't answer that question. <laughs> I, I have an answer, but but yeah, I don't think I can get my ass into that pair of Ken O'Brien's jeans. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? You'll learn more about that. 
in our next episode of It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you with that episode later this week. Wow! And now it's time for the TLDR version of this episode of the It Was a Thing on TV podcast. Wouldn't it be nice if everyone had a blackout button? <laughs> this ought to do it. Oh, no. Did I do that? <laughs>